The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Less than 45% of black households own their own home, dipping from where that number was at the start of the pandemic. So why can't we make progress in the racial home ownership gap? And what are some of the ways that maybe we can finally reverse that trend? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Lydia Pope. She's president of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. And Lydia, NARAB just released its 2022 State of Housing in Black America report, which is where I got that number that only 44.7% of black households now own their own home. So I guess just to start it off, you maybe talk to me a little bit about what's driving this number and why it's now slipped below 45%. Okay, so let me just back up for just a second. So the State of Housing in Black America is a report that our organization has put out since 2011. It started then. And what we found out in our original report in 2011, we talked about the home ownership gaps. We talked about the challenges that are affecting the Black community. And we're now in 2022, and we have the same issues. And the gap is exactly around the same amount as it was back in 2011, actually way back before 1968. And looking at all of this as a black woman who's trying to address this and improve access, you know, we have the Equal Rights Act. We've had regulations to try to address this. And yet 50 to 60 years later, here we are. We're still looking at the gap being the same thing. You know, how, how do you react to that? You know, when, when when you talk about the not just the segregation of African-Americans, but also the redlining and other issues that have affected the black community, you're talking within our black communities. And to change that is not an overnight change. You know, what we found out is that through this time, especially with our state of housing in Black America, and we're going to be talking about that today live here at Howard University in D.C. in regards to what's really happening within the Black community. And then some of the solutions that we as a national association would like to work with when it comes to our GSEs and our housing finance agencies. You know, and some of the bigger issues that we found that if if you're looking at the increase, number one, First of all, the mortgage rates have increased dramatically. You know, when you talk about high mortgage rate, you talk about debt to income, which is the one of the biggest issues and challenges that Black Americans have, because when you have a high DTI, it lowers the chances of buying property. And then you add in all the other factors that we'll be addressing today. You know, you're really you're not closing that gap. It's actually not getting any better. 
there's a lot of talk around changing how we look at credit. It's something we've even talked about on, on some of our platforms here at the Mortgage News Network, and that's especially true with first-time home buyers. Uh, if you're in an underserved household, maybe you don't have a lot of family history of, of working with banks, with, with building credit. How, what are some of the things we need to do to change how we evaluate these customers and, and help them get a home? Well, to close the gap, there are a few things. First, loan level pricing. You know, African Americans have been suffering through loan level pricing. These have been issues where they're getting higher because of their credit scoring. They're getting higher interest rates, and higher interest rate means it's going to be more difficult for them to even purchase, which means more loan denials. First of all, we need to just eliminate the loan level pricing. Is one of the first things that we're recommending as one of our solutions for NARAB. The other is in regards to student loan debt. Now, I, I commend um, the, I, I definitely commend the administration for the eliminate or working with the student loans and FHFA and HUD and everyone's working together, but it's still going to take time. Student loan debt is another major issue for Black Americans. When you're talking about an average student loan of $55,000, it makes it very hard for, for Black Americans to be able to purchase real estate property. Then you're dealing with credit. We have an outdated credit system, outdated credit model. You know, when you're dealing with the FICO scoring, again, the lower the interest rate, the higher the fees, the more down payment, and the more loan denials for African-Americans. It, it all goes systematically. Then we throw in something a little bit different and unique this year, climate change. That's something that we've not had in our report over the years of our origination of the state of housing in Black America, the Sheba Report, is climate change has been a major issue with all the disasters that have happened within the communities going back decades. And if you look at the disasters, it's making it very difficult, again, to rebuild the Black communities and be able to have housing stock within those communities. Again, that's one of our major issues we'll be talking about today. That climate change point is is really interesting, especially if you look just, you know, since 2000. I mean, we've had Hurricane Katrina. We've had Hurricane Harvey. We've had some of these really devastating storms that have, have uh, destroyed neighborhoods. And, and obviously, as we rebuild these, these are neighborhoods that are predominantly people of color that, that the makeup can change uh, as we rebuild them. But what are some of the solutions that maybe we can put in a place to help give people access to sustainable, safe housing in these areas? You know, when you have housing in the Black community that goes to disasters, how do you rebuild that community? How do you bring the Blacks back into that community? And even though housing stock is one of the issue, one of the positive um, affirmations that we would like to see in the community, we have to assure that if housing stock is going to be back in the community, that it's going to be overpriced or priced high. So we want to make sure we're working with our CDCs and within the communities to ensure that we have affordable housing in those black communities so those so those owners that were once owners that lost their properties or their tenants that want to buy with the community that they are able to afford great properties that are beginning to sustain itself but not quite there yet the affordability is already very difficult so it's so important that the rebuilding process has to take place in the black community and not just that they have to be affordable 
you brought up student loan debt, and obviously that's getting a lot of attention right now. Uh, President Biden's plan to try to forgive student debt uh, at the same time. Uh, not as much attention, but it's got attention that the Department of Education is telling some students that their debt is being wiped out because their schools gave them some bad information when they took out loans. Um but thinking about our audience, mortgage originators, what are some things that they can do when it comes to student debt? I mean, should we be looking at it differently than we are now? Um, yes. Even though right now, even with the Fannie Mae's and the Freddie's with the one percent um, of the balances or the um, or the zero point five percent of the balances, it still makes it very difficult for African-American to afford a home. You know, NARAB would love to go back and see whenever a student has any type of forgiveness or any type of deferments that 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 equation not be used as far as home ownership. You know, over the decades, um, black home ownership has sustained its itself for those that have owned homes and many have had student loan debt that has not been affected, you know, by the debt to income ratio because it wasn't used. But using these percentages makes it very difficult, again, for the African-American community. And you add all the factors in student loan debt, low down payment. There is no down payment assistance as we're trying to work through it because of the credit scoring models. You add all of that into a lineup. It makes it very difficult for a black to buy a home. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And of course, there are programs to help these borrowers, things like down payment assistance programs, for example. Do you see originators doing a better job taking advantage of these programs? Or are we still in a place where originators are, are largely focusing on borrowers who, who fit traditional criteria? Well, today I do begin to see more of a collaboration with the down payment assistance that I've seen in the past. You know, the special purpose credit programs, which many don't know have been around since 1974. I may have been five or six years old. And these are, these are this is a program that's been out for a long time that, that gives the banks the authority to be able to do programs for assistance that is so needed within our communities. And I'm happy to see that the program is now reactivating itself and it's kind of taken out of that dormant stage. And a lot of your banking institutions are looking to really work with the special purpose credit programs to help the blacks within the community so they can have affordable housing and have that assistance that is needed to become a homeowner. Because if you look at the rents that the blacks, black Americans are paying on a, on a monthly basis, I'm sure, and I don't have the data, that many of the renters are making their payments on time. So, and their payments are most much higher than what they would have bought if they bought a home. So if they're making their payments on time. You know, if, these are things that we're looking at that a homeowner should be able, they should be able to become a homeowner and purchase that property. Um, the Urban Institute um, talked about some time ago about utilizing the rent, which I love it, utilizing the rent as a credit scoring model um, to try to help increase um, the credit scoring for that particular home buyer. So these are things that are on the table um, that have been talked about, and we're hoping to see a little bit more action in the next year to come. One of the things that your report brings up is appraisal bias. 
you know, we've, we've covered that a lot. Uh, of course it's got a lot of attention everywhere. Um, and when you bring this up with, with appraisers, they'll point out that of course, uh, they're relying on, uh, the appraisals and the home values in the community is one of the things that that's uh, they can't really help, um, you know, and, and there's dispute of that. But do you see this as a, a problem of just a few bad apples or is that one of the things that that's a sign of, of a broader systematic problem? There's been a lot of reports um, and data and factual data that talked about appraisal biases around the country. Um, but the, the challenge is what is the solution to this? How do you work through this problem and make it a solution? So NARAB is more solution focused. And our goal is to talk, not just talk with the with our legislators, but also have discussions with the appraisal society. Because what we found out is that, you know, you only have 1%, was little over 1% of African-Americans or Blacks that are in the appraisal industry. Well, right now we're at Howard University talking to our Black Black students in regards to careers in real estate, become an appraiser, more higher education, because the average, um, I think the average of appraisers over 55 years of age. So now you're talking a whole new generation needs to come in and really begin to sustain the appraisal, which would hopefully would bring in more blacks into this appraisal business. So it's going to be a major thing, a major shift that we're hoping to see and more training. So those that are current appraisers is, 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 understanding the fair housing. We're working with PAVE. We love the PAVE program um, in regards to assuring that we get some education and bringing in some more Black appraisers. So that's some of the some of the um, solutions that we're looking at, partnering with, with HUD, um, working with our HBCU students, and even within our own organization, we have a society, National Society of Real Estate Appraisers, that at our Midwinter Conference, we're looking to train more Black appraisers within the industry, just so that that will help within the appraisal biases. And that's what we're hoping is one of our solutions, or a few of our solutions, I should say. The report talks about wanting to fix a broken housing finance system, at least in regards to how it deals with uh, underserved borrowers. And, and of course, that's been the focus of, of our conversation here. But are there other changes that we haven't touched on that uh, maybe you think need to be put in place? Well, you know, what we were looking at, and this is not in our report, but it's something that we really want to begin to start taking a look at, is really empowering. And that's why we really focus on the HBCUs, is empowering um, Blacks to be more involved in development. Because housing and development and in the real estate industry, when I took a look at um, the industry, even in the real estate industry around the country, you would think that, you know, there's a lot of black real estate agents. But when statistics shows that there's only a small percentage, I think it was under 10 percent of America are black real estate agents. That's a very small number opposed to what you see around the country. So it's important that we as, as blacks learn how to work within our use and even the generational wealth as we begin to build this through our college students and let them move on then that would allow the industry to feel a little bit more diverse which we would like to see and i would assume that that doesn't just fall on on black financial experts so obviously that's something any anybody can do in, in financial literacy or lack thereof has, has been a criticism of, of you know our education system in general so would you encourage originators and others who work in finance to be more proactive uh, in this area oh absolutely I mean this is this is not you know when it comes to generational wealth it's not a black or white thing it's a all 
But as we're talking with the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, focusing on democracy and housing within the Black community, our goal is to empower um, our, our parents, our students, our children, so that they can pass on that generational wealth and understand about credit and understand that, you know, student loans, maybe you need to back up and find grants and scholarships that will help. So as we begin to go into the cities, into our own communities and rebuild that, that's how generational wealth starts. But if we're out of the city and we're not in the city helping out our community, it doesn't do us any justice. So we have to be in the heart of the community. So when we have our community day throughout the years all around the country. We're in the heart of the churches. We have a faith-based initiative. We're in the churches. We're in the schools. We're in the city talking about home ownership and not just home ownership, but wealth building along with that. So it's more than just that. How do you keep your home? And and I'll just wrap it up with, of course, uh, you're in real estate. You're well aware of, of what's going on in the, in the housing market right now. Uh, so just talk to me about the potential uh, for, for new business, new clients. You know, if you if you put in the work to to help some of these borrowers uh, in your community, you know, get access to, to financing for a home. Yeah, this gives an opportunity that even if the market is slowing down, take the time, take the window to reach out, hold your hand and help someone else out Uh, because they may not buy today, but they'll buy tomorrow. So you want to get their mortgage ready, understanding about wealth building. So when they're ready, when the market is there and the rates get to that window where they say, "Okay, tomorrow we're dropping the rates, which we wish to three percent again, they'll be ready to jump in there and buy right away without having to go backwards to get their credit ready. So we want to make sure that we get them prepared for that future. Yeah, absolutely. Some of these borrowers who are on the fringe, maybe they need a little coaching or a little help to be ready once uh, affordability improves. And, and you, you know, certainly you can see a quick uptick in business. Well, NARAP has it all. NARAP has an NID. We have a HUD-approved counseling agency. We have an appraisal society. We have a developer's academy. So we have 10 different affiliates that offers all the services that, that, would, that would allow a home buyer or a rental to become a home buyer and a home owner to sustain their home. Lydia, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's the rest of your headlines for today, December 13th. The Federal Reserve is about to meet for the final time in 2022, and just in time, the new CPI numbers show inflation continuing to cool. Could this mean a smaller rate hike on Wednesday? Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Meanwhile, the NBA is looking to expand programs that help lower-income borrowers. The association sent a letter to the FHFA asking the agency to push Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to raise the median income requirements for their Home Ready and Home Possible programs. And finally, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau wants more accountability and transparency in the financial sector. It's proposing a registry to keep track of repeat offenders who find themselves the subject of local, state, and federal court and agency orders. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. 
Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.